Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. This is episode 10, which is awesome, and we're so happy that you've stuck with us. We're now measuring views in the thousands. We reach a wide variety of ServiceNow customers, partners, and product owners. So if you want to sponsor us, check out the description below. So we're doing this new thing called Perspectives, and that's where we try and bring in really cool personalities from across the ecosystem and extract the value. And tonight we have someone we're dying to introduce you to, Mr. Matt Barron. Matt, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. But thanks for being here. Absolutely. Probably makes sense to start at the start. Matt, why don't you tell everybody how you got your start in the ServiceNow ecosystem? So start at the beginning. That makes sense. Very logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and also squeeze in there, what do you do today as well? Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I got my start where a lot of people in this industry did work in the service desk. Started off in, in customer service and manning the phones and doing everything from application support to hardware support, desk side services, you know, email administration, AD administration. We were the people with 50 apps open at any time, able to unlock an account in any myriad of, of applications. And my manager turned to me and said, hey, if you just kept a journal of what you're doing at work, there's a lot of people that would be interested to know what you see on a daily basis. And she was dead right. Pretty soon thereafter, I found a podcast. It was Chris Dancy and Matt Hooper and myself doing ITSM Weekly. And yes. I learned everything. Yeah, that'll happen when you're listening to Chris Dancy and talking to Chris Dancy every week. Yeah. Whether you want to or not, you're going to learn something. <laughs> gonna learn yeah. something. He, he did a really great job. He had a ton of, I would say like the social wisdom about the industry. He knew all where all the bodies were buried. Mm-hmm. And Matt Hooper had this, I don't know what I want to call it, like the nerdy ITSM, like the, buy the book. I've been yeah, an outsourcer ITSM, for years. Right? Yeah, like that sort of stuff, you know. The, the big ITSM stuff. So that's really where I cut my teeth is in that podcast. And I've met tons of people through it, just interviewing, just like you guys are doing here. And everyone just kept giving me the time of day. And so I just kept making, making hay as much as I could. And I listened to practically every episode of that podcast and it just kind of disappointed me when it ended because I always looked forward to it. So I just want to say in person, thank you. Oh my gosh, you're too kind, too kind. I remember listening to that podcast and then it was the first knowledge that Chris was actually an employee of ServiceNow and I saw him at the bar and I was like, are you Chris Dancy? And he's like, yeah, come have a drink with us. And I'm like, who, me? And I- <laughs> Get the star-studded look in your eyes. Oh, yeah, man. I was totally starstruck. And he was asking me what I was doing with the platform. I told him about this. Like At the time, it was an awesome employee onboarding and termination function on ServiceNow move the bottom line of a multi-billion dollar company. I thought I was like, oh, I thought I did pretty good. And Chris is like, you know what? I hate onboarding and offboarding. Here's what I want you to do. Like, you show me your business card. So I took out my business card and he like took a picture of it with his phone. He's like, there, you should be onboarded. I was like, what? <laughs> Love it. And then, and then I took a breath and I was like, oh yeah. Like all the info's on the card. All my skills are on LinkedIn. Whatever I'm expert in should be obvious. Whatever things I need to do my job should be obvious. And can't we just take a swing at this? And it's just like a splinter in my mind. It's so many years later and I can't stop thinking about it. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, that doesn't even exist yet, still. <laughs> it's not on the store? I think you can apply it to your PDI. No, no, you can't. <laughs> someday, I think, though, someday. I think you may have mentioned the same thing to me, and I imagined there was this feature in Evernote at one point that you could take pictures of business cards and it would auto-link to like LinkedIn and auto-create a contact for you. And I think I, I attempted to connect that to ServiceNow at one point. I just remember coming home and telling my wife, I'm like, I met a man who lives five years in the, in the future, but his body's right here today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so true. Anyways, what are you doing today? Basically went from consulting company to consulting company, trying lots of different projects and lots of different roles from process consulting to technical implementation to org change, training, and eventually made my way through marketing and did some marketing in the space as well. And now I'm on to experience-based design. I'm running projects where we do user research to identify the needs of the user, and then we're designing services to meet those needs. So for instance, right now, one of my clients is um, an HR department, and they know offhand what people are complaining about because they it's given to them. They see them in the hall, whatever, or I guess they see them on Zoom these days, and then they complain. What we're doing is formalizing the research, just listening to the customers, doing audio interviews, recording the audio, taking notes, doing the research, developing the insights, and from there designing the services. So it could be anything from let's change the way we do orientation to let's make sure that we have a knowledge management process that supports understandable policy docs. It's a lot of fun and it's nice. It's kind of a new angle that I wasn't really prepared for, I would say, because I haven't been at a lot of consulting firms where projects start off with user research. So that's been a real game changer for me, specifically because we just have way less battles about what we should be doing because we can hear it. Yeah, right. I mean, when you're focused on the user, they're really the atomic unit of the development stack. They're going to be the people who interact with your product. Ultimately, you should be delivering the value that they're looking for. With the agile thing, they call them user stories, but I don't feel like they actually originate from the user most of the time. I feel like they originate somewhere in the business void somewhere and they get encapsulated in this thing called a user story. And then a bunch of IT folks sit around a table and decide what the users actually want. And then we build that and then we ask them, well, is this okay? And they come back and tell us, well, nobody actually asked us, if, asked us if we wanted this to start with. I always feel like there's still a disconnect, even with the new agile methodology. Mm -hmm. And It's like the toxic BA layer. We've heard it. Full disclosure, I love a good BA. <laughs> but there's this... Um... But there's this toxic BA layer where it's like, don't ask the customers, let's send in the BA who's not a PM, not a application expert. They're just somebody who's going to ask the client questions that we told them to ask. And then they're going to repeat the client's answer, putting another layer in there to get misunderstood. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, is this going to work? Yeah, I think it's going to work. You're not the you client though. the wheel that squeaks. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, but you yeah. you also like put somebody else's bias and desires where they weren't in the first place. Yes. Like they're not the business consumer. They're just some dude in, in, in IT or some dudette in IT and they have their own ideas and wants and ways of doing things. So when you're like an architect or a dev and you're receiving something from the BA layer, how do you know that has anything to do with what the client said? You rarely ever get to see what the client said because the BA is the only people allowed to talk. And we don't want to poo-poo on IT because there's still a stakeholder in a lot of it, especially right. when, when we're talking service management. They're a huge stakeholder. We shouldn't even really have a discussion. Don't make your BAs be a product mm -hmm. manager. You know, it's just not the right role. They understand the systems and the data. They don't understand behaviors. Some of them may, but it's not expected of them. To me, if I had to sum it up, I'd say it's like user-driven development. And I just think that that's something to aspire to. But it's a good topic. And I think it's one that we avoid <laughs> a lot of times because a lot of these shared service departments just don't have what I'll call a voice of the customer program where app dev or admins or even service desk employees can go and hear what customers are saying, see what they're doing in their job. I mean, that's the true business partnership stuff that we thought right. we got over in the 2000s, but... I think there's a real abstraction because we do stuff like this, like think like the customer or understand the customer or run IT like a business and they're, okay, it makes sense, but how does that actually change the way I work day to day? What is the actual yep. literal thing that I have to do? And a lot of times it is user research. I mean, look at product companies and, and retailers. How, how much do retailers understand about their mm -hmm. users? Right. Holy cow. Good luck. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. So what I'd ask you next, Matt, is what's your passion and what says this is Matt Barron? Uh, simplicity. A lot of what we end up doing is putting a pretty face on some complex processes or complex data or complex policy. A lot of times, yeah, we can overcomplicate stuff. We, we sometimes even do the lazy thing and maybe just copy paste the policy out there and call it knowledge. We don't often take the time or consider the consumer in that situation and step back and make something that's actually going to be usable. So for me, it's about making sure that it's usable first. And that can be something as simple as starting with wireframing or information architecture, something to help you understand generally what you're trying to accomplish before you get into the details. You know, we so often get into, I want the tool to do this, or I need the service portal to look like this without taking the right. time to make sure that it's I mean, that sounds a lot like look before you leap. Let's do the research. Let's look at how this is going to work in the mock-up before we even look at the system and resign ourselves to those constraints. Bingo. That's exactly it. You know, there's so many good prototyping tools out there now. UX Pin is one of my favorites. Uh, Adobe XD is another great one. Through the use of those tools, you can set expectations relatively quickly. You can even do it as part of a pre-sales effort. You're basically listening to a stakeholder, usually with one of those BAs or, or an executive of some kind, let's say a project sponsor, and you can build a portal with them on a call and get a halfway decent looking prototype, export it out as HTML, throw it up on GitHub, strap full story or Lucky Orange or Google Analytics on it and just watch people use it before you spend $3.5 million developing them all. Do it in a less risky fashion and then take that prototype and say, all right, these seven features are release one, release two, 
And that's kind of how you go from user research or development and, stories. And I'll, I'll pay for that course, right? Whenever you get around to building that and putting that up and whatever you want to charge. Whenever you, feel, whenever you feel like building that out, man, let me know. It's a lot of fun. And the first time that people see it, it you know, you, it's hard to get people to buy into it. It's risky for an executive or a project sponsor to, to lay it out on the line and be transparent like that because they're sticking their neck out in a new way. What was one of the hardest challenges in the ServiceNow ecosystem for you or a time that you were convinced you were going to fail, but made it anyway? Keeping my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of kidding, kind of not. I mean, Twitter is, it's so easy to get into trouble, to say things that rub people the wrong way. And I definitely butt some heads at ServiceNow. That was kind of tough on my career at the beginning. Didn't open a lot of doors for me. But then they started to notice that I really, I did believe in the platform and product managers and some of the people that were building some of the up and coming innovations, they would reach out to me because they knew that I was friendly. I really wanted to push the platform further, just like you guys do, just like everyone listening to this does, just like, yeah, Jace Benson. (laughs) Love Jace. Absolutely. What's up, Jace? That guy gives so much to the community and he needs a lot more spotlight. Yeah, seriously. The same thing goes for not just like online between me and the greater industry, but also in projects. I didn't have the acumen, the vernacular, or the patience really to listen. Oftentimes I was listening Mm. to respond. And that is something that I had to learn my way out of um, as a consultant. Take the time to be patient, sell your case, understand their reasons for questioning your case. You know, it's the politics of it that's really, I find that to be very, very challenging. And that's one of the reasons that I love that design thinking and design cycle. I don't tend to have as as much of a problem with politics of it. I think... I have a little bit more trouble with saying no. I think that's probably the biggest leap in my game because ServiceNow enables you to say yes to practically everything. Um, And so just kind of going from there, Matt, tell me what about your non-ServiceNow background informs you uh, most today. And before you answer that, I just want to say it's not lost on me that you have an extensive IT background because I also have an extensive IT background. And I always appreciate talking to people in the ServiceNow space who have an extensive IT background. Okay, now you can answer. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I called it out in my beginning marketing. It's something that a lot of shared service functions just, they just don't get it. They don't have a formal process for it. You know, how often does IT release a great service and there's no pop and circumstance around it? (laughs) Yes, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, It's the same across a lot of different functions. So that one is huge. I I also have a graphic design background. So for service portals, I mean, that's just massive. Visual design is a beast, man. And it's always changing. I mean, even with WWDC, the the Apple conference just happened and they changed the look of their icons. Well, the graphics industry world just kind of blew up. Everyone was like, oh, where's my flat images? I'm not going (laughs) to look as good anymore. It's kind of tough to keep up with that. And then... I think the last thing that I draw on the most is um, I come from a farm. And if there's anything I learned on the farm is project-based work and how to work hard through big challenges that you don't understand. How to do things no one's ever done before. Taught me to get in and break stuff 
because you need to, oh, to figure it out so you can that fix That right it. there. I, whenever I'm a mentor in anyone in IT, I always tell them, you cannot be afraid to break it. If it's getting to you and you're in charge of fixing it, it's already broken. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you break it more, right? Like your yeah. goal is to fix it. So if you got to tear it apart a little bit more in order to fix it, don't be afraid to do that. And that mentality right there, the ability to not be afraid to break things separates the good technicians from the, from the great ones. And even like in the, in the people I mentor in the ServiceNow space, I'm like, don't you ever come to me asking me to solve something if you haven't tried three things. Oh, but these strings might not be the right. I don't care if they're the right thing, right? Right. <laughs> like, right. If I didn't say the three right things, then you wouldn't be coming to me for help. It's just try anything. Try anything. I don't care if they're this, like, yeah. in the back of my mind, I might be reading them and saying, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard for that, right? But I, I have the privilege of having the experience to know that. They don't. And so even trying the stuff that is quote unquote bad ideas or they learn right. something and every time they roll that dice, they also have a chance of discovering something I didn't know. Yeah, you, you got to know. Sometimes you got to flail your arms wildly. The ability to, to differentiate between good ideas and bad ideas comes with experience. That's too. right. That's right. right. You don't get to the point where you can tell the difference between the, the two until you've tried both good idea and bad ideas enough. But anybody, time anybody comes with a question and like they haven't That's tried right. anything, they haven't tried to take apart anything, it's just like, oh, you're on site, you're a consultant and you want me to do your work? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, you're going to split some of that rate with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I will not hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> That's why the concept of CI, CD just gets me so excited. Uh, continual integration, continuous delivery, because it, it just wasn't something that existed. Five years ago? Ten, ten yeah. years ago? F five years ago? Just being able to move faster and break things. I mean, it's a luxury still because there's so many people that aren't leveraging it, especially in the service now space because it is fairly new to be managing. Yeah, you know, and it's the micro changes, right, that enables and the shift in thinking that comes along with that. I think still in a large part of IT and, and the ServiceNow world, changes are still thought of as these massive things that you implement. But when you really break it down to it, you know, a change could be as simple as, you know, modifying one line of code. And when you get to that perspective where you can make these micro changes and be able to back in and back out of them or implement and back out with, you know, with ease and in an automated and continuous way, like you were just saying, it does really open up a lot more creativity and innovation. Hey, Matt, I got a question for you. What do you wish more people understood when they're implementing ServiceNow or taking a big new step on ServiceNow? It doesn't have to be so hard. A lot of people make it really hard. I think what you just said, actually, Corey, was perfect. It, it highlights that a change request, you know, to turn on a plugin in ServiceNow, it gives you so many features. It's not really that big of a deal in a lot of cases. Um, the, the one I'm thinking of in this case right. is the advanced knowledge plugin. And, and I'm doing this for HR, right? So I'm with the HRIS guy and I, I say, email IT, ask them to turn this on. If they need help, you know, while they're doing it, I'll sit there with them. I can answer questions, whatever you need, really, because yeah. just turn it on. You're either using blocks or you're not, or you're using versioning or you're not. And so I, I just think that people make stuff a lot harder than it has to be. And you also said in your last sentence, statement too, Corey, um, to, to put it up into little bits. I always say this phrase, I would say, some people say crawl, walk, run. I, I say, start small, think big, <laughs> just sneak up on it. <laughs>
Because, you know, one day you look up, you're like, oh, I'm making all these small changes, small changes, small changes, you know, maybe here's a medium change. And then suddenly you look up and you're like, holy cow, we got a whole knowledge management process. We've rewritten 2,400 articles over the last 12 months. I got nothing in the hopper for bad feedback. And you just, you look around you and you, you survey the land and you say, right. I built this and it was easy. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Kind of following up on that with the next question, you know, tell me what good architecture looks like to you. Uh, so I guess what's tough is for me, good architecture is keeping your switching costs low. If you're able to keep your switching costs low, then you're able to make decisions that align with your business. And that's it. 10 years ago, it was how do I get everything into service now? Five years ago, it's how do I integrate things into service now? And this year it's, how do I integrate everything in and out of service now? That's really good architecture. If you can, if you can have those conversations and get data portability, that's, that's kind of what you're really looking for is data portability, but then also process portability. How do you go from one platform to another? How do you get data from Atlassian into your incident management process and from, from there? build that landscape. That's a, that's a pretty good perspective, a different perspective than one I'm, I'm typically used to using when thinking about architecture as I'm typically, you know, thinking about the platform itself and how I'm building out the various apps internally, but it's also a very good point. How ServiceNow fits into the overall enterprise architecture, just like you said, like with data portability, how do you get things in and out of ServiceNow and just everything in and out of ServiceNow? How do you take the data from, like you said, Atlassian and use that to drive a better incident management process inside of ServiceNow? You know, those things form architecture. The example I'm thinking of is a custom app that we build for a large hardware vendor that allows service agents to basically go to a uberized marketplace of service requests for hardware and they could go to a map and just see who needs service pick them up go to the office you know we check their credentials make sure they're licensed to perform this work on this device and have been trained and then they go perform the service we do the transaction, the nice. customer's happy, and they're done. Yeah, it's amazing. And now they want to be able to provide those technicians with the ability to create their own cases and manage assets. And, you know, it's a tough situation where you're thinking, okay, they should just log into ServiceNow and use it. Well, I mean, we're talking 30,000 IT service shops, little mom and pop shops that are doing printer services in the middle of Tennessee. You can't just launch ServiceNow at 30,000 unsuspecting businesses and expect them to just bend to your will immediately. Much less can you afford all those licenses to do that. And so that's where that start small, think big and sneak up on it really comes into play. How do we go from them picking up service requests in a marketplace and closing out tickets to interacting with the clients through email or yeah, updating assets on a regular basis without blowing our budget and yeah, make it adding too much friction easy. to the process to the point where they just stop using the tool altogether. Exactly. If value add, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is 
can you continue to add value? And if you can't, then, you yeah, know, that's bad that's architecture. And that, that's funny too. That, that might even be the definition of when good architecture turns to bad architecture, right? It's that when the ability to add value stops. Hey, Matt, what are you most excited about in the future of the platform based on what you know so far? You know, honestly, I'm, I'm behind the times. And I think it's because so many of our clients just haven't gotten to Orlando yet. I'm still really excited for Orlando because I just haven't seen a lot of people be able to use all of the millions of additions they've added since, since the last edition. You know, it's just it's too much. No one can change that fast, can they? Is someone Dude. using all the features? Well, of I mean, I think, I think they're wide enough that it's just one here, one there, right? There's like five, 10 really important customers that are using virtual agent and then five that are using workspaces and they're wide enough that they can have huge markets for single features and not even be a part, a major part of their market. If that makes any sense. Definitely. But you named mm -hmm. off some specific one, like virtual agent. Right. I'm an experienced designer. Like that is perfect. How many of the user interviews do you think I conduct where people say they want to just be able to chat with someone? Can I just oh, that's an yes. interesting chat conversation. with someone? When I, when I hear right? people say talk I mean, about that, like chat with that, someone, they're not talking about a robot. I am. No, no they don't want it. And really the, the robot isn't even yeah. there. Just give me an agent. Just give me an agent. Right? That's the, one of the two, I think out of the box, even that's one of the two questions like, Hey, can mind I you, help you with something? No, can you know, I, I say that. And on the other hand, it's just like, why do I want to try and navigate a catalog? Because it's like, try as I may, it takes all my might to get people to trust search when it comes to the catalog. And I still fight against these ancient ideas of absolute hierarchies when it comes to getting stuff out of the catalog. Oh, you want to order a thing? Go to services, important services, really important services, hardware, <laughs> things, sub things, your thing, and then order that. And I'm like, God damn it, just go to search. <laughs> but if I can't go yeah. to search because you people won't let me, then at least put me in front of a virtual agent that'll ask me the right questions and find the right catalog item. That's pretty cool. I love that part. Was that too much? I felt like my inner monologue just kind of bled over onto <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's a really good point. I mean, this is really prescient for me as well. I just had a conversation really similar to this with a client. And, you know, they were talking about the hierarchy. You know, we've got so many of these things now. And how do you surface them better for the user? And I'm like, search. Search is how you do it. It's also, well, search is how you do it. But how do you get people to use search and use search effectively? And search is the answer with additions. Yeah, I mean, none of this is easy, but I find the virtual agents, just with the conversations you're able to build with it, now incorporate the catalog, which if you just rewind five years when all we had was chat, it was basically like, do you want an incident or an incident? Right. Um, <laughs> it took so much power away from the platform. I love the fact that they got virtual agent. I love all their emerging stuff, natural language understanding. We'll see how that goes. You know, when you start to take virtual agent and you combine it with an integration on an off platform integration or orchestration, right? All of a sudden you got something really, really powerful. Take for example, a user can't print. So you go to the chat bot, Hey, I can't print. We've detected that your default printer is, you know, printer A. Is that correct? Yes. Great. I'm going to reset the print spooler for you on your local machine. Go ahead and try to print now. Did that work? Yes. No. Okay. I'm going to reset the print spooler on the actual server. Give me one second. Boom. Is it working now? Yes. Great. How would you rate your service? 
You know what I mean? Boom. Mm -hmm. Just like that. (laughs) Gosh, if we could only do that on HR projects, like, you know, we sense you're depressed. And so here, click this button and it'll all just be taken care of. You know, it just doesn't, I wish it worked that way too, but really, you know, and it's the same problem too, though, right? You're trying to get, you're really trying to market your services. There's so many good ways to do it, do it seasonally like the retailers do, or plan a marketing campaign, send out mailers, send out reminders, call people on the phone, talk to them. I think that right. that's the future of support beyond virtual agent and yeah, beyond that's what the humans are chat do, with right? IT service, IT service, in terms of implementations, especially man, like Gosh, I've seen so many ITPM implementations where it's like, hey, let's bring some people from the PMO into a meeting and talk about how ServiceNow does ITPM. And we'll ask you some questions and you'll be wondering and wondering and wondering. And three months later, you'll won't be wondering. And then four months later, hey, we deployed this new system. Go to training. It's like, why? (laughs) I mean, I know why, but it's just, it seems so backward. I, I, I look at these things and I'm like, Don't you know these people have to use this thing? Jacob's Law, man. It's a UX design principle. Everyone uses websites every day. So if your website looks different from other people's, no one's going to know how to use it. That's why you have to follow those design principles. Otherwise, no one's going to pick it up. So we're at 45 minutes of record. Matt, final words, final thoughts. Be good to each other. Listen to each other. Listen and learn from them. That's all that you can really do because you never know who's going to be your next boss, who's going to be your next client, who's going to be your next colleague. So yeah, that's my only advice. Just that's be, excellent be advice. Good to people. Sure is. Absolutely. It's a great way to wrap up the show too. All right, everybody. This has been episode 10 of CJ and the Duke and special thanks to our guest, Matt Barron, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks again. Thanks again.